once upon a time, in a galaxy far, far away. A hero held aloft his magic sword and said, Knowing is half the battle. Or something like that. Today, we're going to be talking about the first novel I ever tried to write, and why failure is sometimes a really good thing, on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love. Hi. It's been crazy. My back has been thrown out. The kitties have a new playpen and are mercifully sleeping right now. And, yeah, stuff. So much fun. Let's talk about writing, especially our first books, and why why they're important. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with one another. And after all, that is why I do this in the first place. Alrighty. See, the this is going to be a hard topic to talk about because the first novel I ever tried to write never had a name. So I'll probably be referring to it simply as the first book. See, I lived in Maryland for quite some time. And in sixth grade, we took all of these tests and stuff to measure our aptitude for this, that, and the other thing. And very long story short, I ended up getting into a gifted and talented program, don't hate me, that they had at the school. Now, as a part, result of this, I got two things. One, I got a free period. And two, I got a get-out-of-jail-free pass. So as long as I kept my grades up, I could flash my pass and leave any class that I was in and go to a desk that they set up for me and work on a solo project. This solo project was under the um, purview of one of the guidance counselors, and I was allowed to pick what project I wanted to work on. Well, I already knew by this point in my life that I wanted to write books. I liked books, read a lot of books, wanted to write books, told stories all the time, loved role-playing games, and decided... Yes, yes, definitely, I am going to be a writer, a novelist. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. And unfortunately, because the program was administered by the guidance department, I did not have an English teacher to help me with the process. I do not know if that is a good or a bad thing. I honestly do not know. Because if I had an English teacher who was helping me with this project when I was working on it, 
it may have been better. I may have actually finished the book, but I don't think I would have learned as much as I did about the process of writing and learned how much I actually love the process of writing, the craft itself, if it hadn't been a self-directed program that I was obligated to do, so I had to sit down at my desk and do it every day, only to learn a couple things. One, I didn't know what I was doing. Two, I didn't know enough about the world that I wanted to write in to actually make the story work. You see, the reason I started with the teaser that I did is essentially the story that I was working on was kind of a Robotech meets He-Man with some Star Wars thrown in and a little bit of G.I. Joe, kinda. Like a lot of stuff, like there was a character in there definitely based on Storm Shadow from G.I. Joe. That was definitely a thing. And though I didn't actually crib any characters from any other work, I did, I was essentially writing glorified fan fiction in that while I didn't, like I said, I didn't take any characters from anywhere else, I did pretty much borrow a lot of ideas from other fiction. So there was a magical sword in the story that was somewhere between Excalibur and the sort of power that He-Man got, except for it looked more like the sword that She-Ra had, because I really liked the gem in the blade. So there was that. It gave our hero magical powers that were much more like you would see in Luke Skywalker than in He-Man. So, yeah. And there were ninjas. Because <laughs> of course there were ninjas. Yeah. It was glorified fan fiction. And there's nothing wrong with that. I loved the story. I loved sitting down and writing this story. I loved the idea that I had a desk with a computer on it dedicated to me that I could go and sit down and type. And I had my own little disc, a little 2.5, what, 3.5 floppy. And yeah, I got to write a book. I got to work on it. And I got really frustrated because I could only work on it at school. So I started printing out what I had at the end of the day, you know, at the end of my sessions in there and taking it home with me so I could handwrite and continue the story. And so the book that I ended up writing, because I was terrible at typing up what I had written. So the actual story that I had written was this terrible mishmash of printed pages that were printed using this old dot matrix printer that the school gave me access to and handwritten pages on wide rule paper with my terrible handwriting and yeah it, it it was it was a nightmare process it was crazy but what came out of this what was the result of this was i learned how important world building was I kept hitting hitches in the story where my imagination didn't work. And when the counselor who was helping me with this process didn't know 
what to do to help me fix it, I started discovering on my own that, well, I needed to draw a map. That's, that's what's wrong. I don't have a map of the world. And so I started drawing a map. And that was my first foray into world building. And I didn't know much about the magic sword other than that it was a magic sword. And so I sat down and I wrote this whole thing up about the history of the magic sword and where it came from and how it came to be and how it got to be where it was when our hero found it. And yeah, I started world building organically on my own. And I thought I had discovered something magical. I thought I had discovered something new because we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have access to DVD features. For goodness sakes, I don't even, I'm not a hundred percent sure my family, no, we had a VCR. We did. We did. We did have a VCR by that point and we did have cable, but you know, VCR tapes did not have special features on them. So you know, I never got to hear filmmakers talk about their work, and there weren't a lot of books that I had access to at the time with writers talking about their worlds and what they had set up and what they had done. So I didn't know that anybody else had ever done this. And because I was a D&D player at the time, first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who are interested, I started using the rules and concepts that existed in D&D to give structure to the world that I was building. And it was fun. And you see, the beautiful thing about this whole program that I was in is I didn't have to finish the project. I had to work on it. I had to show progress. See, the program that I was in, which I can't remember, it started with an M, but I can't remember the actual name of it. All I had to do was show that I was making progress. So I had to leave drafts of the story that I was writing so that they could see that I was actually working on it, that I was actually doing this. And since I also had access to the school copier, then I was able to copy the handwritten pages and print out the printed pages and leave this Frankenstein's monster of a manuscript that I doubt my counselor actually read to have it there so that they could see that yes I was working on it and that was the other really great thing is I didn't have that pressure to complete it was all exploration and that's what our first creative projects should always be creativity needs constraints not only does creativity need constraints, but creativity requires us to just play sometimes, to just let our imaginations go wild, especially when we're first learning how to harness it. We don't need to put too many rules on or we might stifle it and drown it in the cradle. And luckily, because all I had to do was show up and work, I was able to teach myself the love of the craft. See, I started buy, buying these spiral notebooks and I had different ones for different things. I had one that I would handwrite world histories in as I concocted new cities and 
places and countries and whatnot. I had one that I wrote magic items in. I had another for magical creatures and some of the races that I was coming up with because it wasn't good enough for me to just write with elves and dwarves and orcs and whatnot. No, I had to create my own creatures. I had to create my own things. And I had so much fun doing it. And while that book never got finished, that world building continued. I continued building that world, building those characters. Oh, I had another spiral notebook just for characters. And I continued working on that. I continued developing that setting for those two years in middle school, for 7th and 8th grade, to the point where when I was in ninth grade, I decided to scrap the novel that I had because I didn't have access to that computer anymore. I didn't have access to the software that I was writing with it anymore. And I was going to start a brand new book. I pulled two of the characters forward that I had in that book and started writing a new one. And that actually became the first book that I ever finished. It was a book called Empires. It's terrible. It's a garbage fire of a novel. It is truly one of the absolute worst things that I have ever done in my life. And it took me four years to write it. I literally wrote it while I was in high school, from my freshman to my senior year. It's terrible. But I never would have done that if I didn't have that experience with the first book. Not just the world building that I could then turn into a book that actually got finished that I wrote from beginning to end, but that experience to actually play with the ideas that I had, the strange notions, the odd stories that were all circulating within me. See, I never really understood where stories came from. You know, when you go to school, you know there's a Mark Twain and a Tolkien and a Edgar Allan Poe and, you know, all the people they make you read in school. I knew they existed, but the idea that they were somehow real people that had ideas, that actually wrote fiction, that seemed so utterly bizarre to me. It just didn't really make sense. And see, it was about this time while I was working on that first book, I went to my first convention. And there, I met real writers. You know, people who had actually done it for the first time. I met DC Fontana. I met AC Crispin, who I would later have a very complicated life around. And so many others. And it was amazing. Dorothy Fontana sat down and would talk to me about writing and give me tips and explain to me how to do how to construct a story and what to look for and what to you know she was one of the first people that told me about editing and revision and how much of the process that that was and I know she wouldn't remember me now because I was just a little kid but it was a magical time for me I was able to explore, completely free from obligation, completely free from any expectation. 
Luckily, back then, I didn't have Wattpad. Because I don't know what would have happened if those early drafts of that book had been public. And I'm not talking about Empires. I'm talking about that first book. That book that no one got to see. That book that I don't think anybody will ever get to see. Because I don't... I've looked. I don't think I have any copies of any of it left. It was important for that to be mine and mine alone. Not out of shame of how bad it was or because I couldn't take criticism or anything like that. But because it put me on a road, on a trajectory to discover my own voice, to discover my own interests, to figure out what kinds of stories I wanted to write, what kinds of worlds I wanted to explore. And I followed it up that first book with Empires, which was set in the same world. And then I wrote a vampire novel called Behind This Darkness, which was terrible. And then, let's see, there was Battle Forevermore, which is just horrid. And then after that, I wrote the first of Liquid Sky, which would be the first book of mine to ever see the light of day and ever get out there. And funny little thing, two of the characters from Liquid Sky come from that very first book. Ashen and Toon, those are characters that I created back there in that classroom all those years ago. And they're characters I still write about today because I spent so much time with them. And I love them so much. I've trans- I translated them into that new world, into that new setting. Because I learned so much from them. And I think that's where we need to be in our creative process. No matter what we're doing, we need to stop putting so many constraints on ourselves. How many reads did it get? How many likes did it get? How many books did it sell? People start thinking that way way too early in the process now. Because we can't. Like I said, I didn't have access to the internet when I started writing. And the first time I had access to the internet, it wasn't really the internet that we have now. And I'm not saying you shouldn't share your fiction online. Everybody should follow their own path. Do what you feel is natural. But be careful that you don't stifle your own inner voice. That internal instinct that you have that guides you to the art that you want to be creating, to the work that you want to be doing. Because exploration is what those early books are for. They're not for making money. And often, they're not for the eyes of anyone else. I don't know that I've ever let anyone else read Empires or Behind This Darkness, and I don't know that I ever will. Those were books for me to learn craft to create to explore to do crazy things and see what it is we want what i wanted without thinking about others and that may sound like a selfish solipsistic way to create but that's where you have to start before you can think of would an audience like this you have to know your tastes and you think you learn those through reading and i do think that helps but we learn it through writing. 
because you'll never write like Lewis Carroll or Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Lovecraft or Jin Yong, no matter how much you want to. And you have to learn to be comfortable being yourself. Speaking of which, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I am going to give you all a little bit of homework if you want to get a jump start on a topic we will be covering on the show. One of my absolute favorite, favorite book series has finally started getting a, tra- a proper translation into English. So Jin Young's A Hero Reborn, I'm sorry, A Hero Born, which is the first book in the Legend of the Condor Heroes series, is out now. You can buy it, you can read it, you can follow along in the audiobook. I will be discussing this book at length in the not-too-distant future. So I wanted to give you all a head start if you want to read this. This is a wuxia book. It is one of the... It is part of the most quintessential series of wuxia books. There are 12 books in total in the Condor series. The, the Condor series is actually a trilogy of quadralities. Quadralogies? It's hard to say. Book one is out. Book two is scheduled to be released. I am so excited. These are going to have a proper English translation. I, I read fan translations of them because I do not read Chinese. And oh, this is such a good translation, I think. I don't read Chinese, so I don't know how close it is to Chinese, but it's really much better than the fan translated one that I've read before. So you may want to check that out if you want to be ready for that review when it comes out. Wuxia is one of my absolute favorite genres. It has influenced the fiction that I write for a very long time, and I'm very excited about this. Alrighty. If you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast and whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. If you have a dollar that you can give to join the project, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the community support tab in the show notes. Thank you to everybody who does that. And if you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's fine. But if you know somebody you think would like the podcast, do share it with them. That helps out a lot too. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system. You can use that, keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on on Twitter and Instagram. I'm cdorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. So until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.